together. An interview series exploring the possibilities of cross-architecture development with those who live it. I'm your host, Nicole Huseman. The first OpenMP specification was released over two decades ago. Today, it's a mature, shared memory, multi-processing programming API that supports Fortran, C, and C++ across multiple platforms. It's become foundational for HPC application programmers. Today's guests have truly lived at the forefront of this amazing journey. Ronis Desipinski is Chief Technology Officer for Livermore Computing at Lawrence Livermore Lab. In this role, he's responsible for formulating the lab's large-scale computing strategy and overseeing its implementation. He's also chair of the OpenMP Language Committee. We're so happy to have you with us today. I'm happy to join you. And Tim Matson, Senior Principal Engineer and Manager of the Programming Systems Research Group at Intel. His goal, in his own words, is to make serial software rare. And for the last 25 years, he has focused on creating programming languages and technologies to help people create parallel software. So great to have you on today's program. Oh, it's my pleasure. I enjoy talking about OpenMP. We're excited to hear how OpenMP has progressed, what challenges you're grappling with today, and what's on the horizon. With that, I'll let the two of you take it from here. Well, okay, that sounds really good. I'm very excited about OpenMP. I'm very excited about Intel's One API initiative and how OpenMP is a central part of that. So I'm very excited, especially since, you know, we're over 20 years into this journey. It's rather fascinating to me that OpenMP is going strong and it's really showing no signs of slowing down. So that's pretty cool. So I'm curious, we came out with 5.0, gosh, when was that? Two years ago. Two years ago. We're on a real regular cadence. Every five years we come out with a major release and then two years later we come out with a minor release. So we're going to shake that up a little. Well, that's good. That's good. Of course, as we all know, the number of pages in a spec directly correlates to its quality. And so we started at 45 pages and 5.0 is 600 pages. I thought you thought it anti-correlated. <laughs> so <laughs> any rate, what do you think about the criticism that OpenMP has just gotten too complicated? Because when we started, this was the way to make it as simple as possible. I don't think it's simple right now with 600 pages of spec. Well, if you want to use the simple stuff and nothing else, it still works just like it always did. But there's a lot of things that you can't do. You're not going to be able to use tasking. You're not going to be able to offload to accelerators like GPUs. You need to have a richer specification if you want to capture all possible patterns of parallelism. OpenMP started out as fork join parallelism, and there's as you well know, far more patterns than just the one. Oh, yes, yes, there is. And I have my book, if I'm allowed to plug it, you know, the OpenMP Common Core, making OpenMP simple again from MIT Press, which focuses on that simple core. So 5.1 is coming up, right? Indeed. OpenMP 5.1 will be approved on November 12th. It's all done in the language committee and being delivered to the ARB for its final vote. I have no reason to think that it won't pass. And just for people listening, 
the ARB is the Architecture Review Board, which is the governing body of OpenMP. OpenMP is actually a corporation. It's technically not a nonprofit corporation because it doesn't have the legally filed paperwork to be a nonprofit, but it is a nonprofit nonetheless. As I learned years ago, it's actually the equivalent of a bowling league in terms of its nonprofit status. That's surprisingly new to me because I was the CEO of the ARB. Well, that's a colloquial way of expressing it, but its legal status is roughly equivalent to that of a board. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So will 5.1 be 800 pages or? No, it's not going to be 800 pages. We're looking at 711 pages in the PDF front to back. So that includes several pages of appendices and front matter. So it's more like about 650, 660 pages of actual specification. It's only 45 pages longer than five data. I mean, I'm generally curious, because even though I was heavily involved for the first half of OpenMP's life, right now I just listen in and throw pot shots over email from time to time. Yeah, I noticed those. <laughs> <laughs> you would. What are the big things you're going to see in 5.1? Well, you know, as a minor release, primarily what it's doing is making corrections and clarifications to 5.0. It does add a few things that'll make it easier to use. Probably the most significant thing that's added is the first in the loop transformations is what we're calling them. You could argue that work sharing loops, so parallel loops were loop transformations as well. But we're adding, in particular, sequential loop transformations, tile and unroll. And in 6.0, we expect to add a fair number more of those. The reason that we're adding those is that those optimizations, you can have the compiler apply them automatically normally, or most compilers have fragments to support them that are specific to that compiler. But how they interact with the OpenMP pragmas is not well defined in that situation. So we're given clear semantics that allow you to specify, you know, basically when in the generation of your executable, when those transformations are applied. We've added a few other things. Some of the implementers complained that we added too much for a minor release. We added something that I think many users will find very useful, which is the error directive, which allows you to either at compile time or at runtime, instruct the compiler to emit a message, and you can control whether encountering that directive is either fatal or just merely a warning. The reason you would use them at compile time is that you can use them with things like the meta directive to say that you're encountering a chunk of code that you never expected to due to the way the meta directive works. And obviously, the utility at runtime is pretty clear. Well, I'm pretty excited here you're adding an error directive because I started work on an error model for OpenMP in 2001 <laughs> and we didn't really come up with anything. So this is good. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call this exactly an error model because basically you have the ability to emit a message and either it just keeps on going on on its merry way or it will terminate execution for you. My favorite addition, though, for OpenMP 5.1 is the nothing directive. <laughs> you know, I can think about my good friend, Michael Wolf, and what a heyday he'd have with a nothing directive. <laughs> I think he hates it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of part of the fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so what does the nothing directive do? It does nothing. That's it's great. actually explicitly replaced with nothing. So don't let anyone say OpenMP doesn't have a sense of humor. Yeah, it's particularly useful with the meta directive. So rather than having a directive variant that's empty, so nothing specified, you can actually specify that what you want is nothing. So subsequently, people don't come along that are maintaining your code and think that you have an error there where you didn't type anything. Yeah, any of us who are software engineers will immediately see the value of that. Others might scratch their head, but no, I can see the great value in that. So I'm curious, you spend an awful lot more time these days than I do with the DOE labs and the HPC community in that world. What do you see about within the user community you work with, with use of OpenMP? Growing, shrinking, are people happy with it? It's definitely growing. We're getting more and more systems with GPUs, and there's a few different ways to use GPUs, but most of them people find cumbersome and non-portable. Probably the least cumbersome way is basically building things on top of C++ and using lambdas, and then underneath that, implementing on some sort of substrate that might be system specific or might be OpenMP. In fact, two of the most popular frameworks take that approach, both Cocos and Raja, have OpenMP backend and use them regularly. Right. Actually, I'm very excited about Cocos and Raja. They're yet another example of the C community really getting out ahead and thinking hard about how to express concurrency. So, yeah, that's cool stuff. What do you think of Sickle then? Because Sickle just wraps a lambda. From the C++ programmers at Livermore that I talk with, they're interested in Sickle, but it's not yet widely supported enough to really get their interest. What I think the C++ programmers most want to see is everything get pulled right into the language and then they just use language features. Realistically, there's some things that something like OpenMP is willing to do that C++ won't ever do, which provides you more direct control of optimization. I don't see OpenMP going away, but for that reason, and also because frankly, at least for the foreseeable future, we'll still have Fortran and C, and having a mechanism that's consistent across them is, is pretty desirable. We have a lot of people that end up writing programs that touch all three of those languages. Right. I mean, you're absolutely right. This is a conversation I have inside Intel right now because we've gone, I think it's fair to say all in on Sickle because Sickle's at the core of our data parallel C++ system. And so I've heard. So like, you know, one API, what's up with that, right? Like if I understand correctly, you've got thread building blocks, you've got Sickle, you've got OpenMP, you must have like three or four other programming like models in there, right? So like if it's one API, what is that? You're counting binary and there's an odd number? No, 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 let me tell you, let me tell you. I work at Intel, so of course I have an answer for you. And I even believe it. So the idea is not that there's only one API. The idea is, is that if you pick one of the APIs, you can program from that one API any of our products, whether it's the GPU, the CPU, or the FPGA. Oh, see, and here, I thought it was more like this, where it was like one API to rule them all. 
<laughs> yeah, well, there are some people early on who probably thought about it that way. But to be honest with you, I was quite surprised when all the other approaches joined the one API label. Because when those of us inside the company as engineers started the process, it was just sickle. And we weren't going to try and do everything under one label. But, you know, I think Intel came around and decided right or wrong that, you know, it's clean to have this one umbrella. And as I said, the goal, well, I'll be honest, I'm not convinced it's there yet across all of the different APIs. But the goal is, is that you pick one of the APIs and from that one API, you can target all the hardware. And what do you do when you want to use a library that uses a different one? Oh, gosh, <laughs> I'm not sure what. Well, so that reminds me of another thing we added in 5.1, which is the interop construct. It returns you an interop object that if you're using something like CUDA or OpenCL allows you to, you know, pick the stream or the queue that's appropriate for it. And, you know, it gets you that object back and then allows you to synchronize from CUDA with your OpenMP or from OpenCL with your OpenMP allows you to really mix the APIs. Wow, I love that. Some of the Intel folks really work to shape how that works so that it could interoperate with multiple different APIs like thread building blocks and OpenCL, say, in the same program. Right, because I would never use CUDA, but I would use OpenCL all the time. I know, that's why I picked it. <laughs> So we are actually doing some work deep in the bowels of Intel on the parallel composability problem and how do runtimes have to be changed to make that really, really work. So we're aware of how hard it is to compose across APIs. The interop capability you talked about would help, but basically you fundamentally need a shared resource manager so that different instances of OpenMP can know what even different instances of OpenMP are doing. Yeah, it's been a long time weakness of OpenMP, and I wouldn't claim that this interop construct solves it, but it does improve the situation. It does, it does. So I haven't mentioned OpenMP 5.2. So normally the next OpenMP specification after 5.1 would be OpenMP 6.0, and that would come out three years from now in November of 2023. We're still planning on that, but we're gonna also come out with something that we're gonna call OpenMP 5.2. And what that's gonna do is rearrange some things from 5.1 and reorganize how we specify the OpenMP syntax. It should consolidate the syntax across the different constructs and help us find some places where things are not consistent. Right now we have some things kind of buried in the syntax, in fact, that are probably not obvious to people, but basically the syntax says, you know, this has to occur at a specific point in the specific construct, or it's not included in what we say is allowed as the parameters to a specific clause. So if you give it, well, you're not conforming to the syntax, and we're going to clean that up. We also expect to find other restrictions that are not consistent across constructs and we'll either add those restrictions or possibly do things to clarify that coming in 6.0 things will be made more consistent. And you're hoping to do that in about a year from now? Actually, we hope to have it out for comment in a few months, 
And ideally, you know, we'd like to get it released by June or July of next year. Realistically, yeah, it'll probably take us till next November just because we like to release things for comment and then do a very careful proofreading round on the spec and find it. as many errors as we can, although you never find all of them. Well, you know, I'll be really impressed if you pull that off. Looking back across the history of OpenMP, between 2.0 and 2.5, we did a major restructuring. And I remember Sanjeev Shah and I at the time going, yeah, we'll budget six months for this. Yeah, that's about all it will take because we're just putting together the Fortran of the C-spec and consolidating, not adding anything new. It took us between two and three years. <laughs> so it's it's a big yeah, job. I'm aware of that history, and that's why I'm hedging a little bit. But I think what you undertook was a lot more difficult, frankly. We have everything already in one place, and it's just a matter of pushing it all together at the front of the chapter two rather than spread throughout. Right, right. Well, I know we're almost out of time, but I wanted to make sure to talk to you about a topic that's near and dear to my heart right now, and that's Python. Once again, you know, you move around inside the DOE HPC community more than I am right now. What do you hear about parallelism from Python these days among your user bases that you talk to? I haven't been hearing about it. They always use Python in sort of a parallel way, but our applications typically use Python as kind of an outer shell that provides for steering, allows them to pull together different, what they call packages, so different kinds of physics into a single run. And they do make use of PyMPI to be able to talk to different MPI processes from their Python shell. But typically, they avoid having compute-intensive work in Python because and I mean, I've talked to them about like, oh, would uh, OpenMP in Python or something like that be useful? And they've generally said, no, if we have that much computation going on, we basically move it to a lower language at that point. But, you know, people move quickly, so maybe I just haven't caught up with something that's coming down the pike. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Last year at Supercomputing, the weeks leading up to it, and then at Supercomputing, I interviewed everyone in the DOE community I could nail down to talk to about it. And then there was a birds of a feather session at Supercomputing on Python. That room had maybe twice as many people as you get at the OpenMP birds of a feather session. The room was packed to the gills. They were interested in parallel computing with Python. And the word I got out of it is because of the GIL, the global interpreter lock, multi-threading with Python is bitterly painful. So most people, if they were doing parallel computing directly in Python, as opposed to just calling PyTorch, would actually use the MPI interface and go multi-process. But gosh, we're doing some cool stuff in Intel on multi-threading with Python. And I don't know what I can say. So I've learned that if I don't know I can say it, I won't. But stay tuned. I am hoping to have something that will just knock your socks off. Who are you? What have you done with Tim Matson? I know. I know this is weird. I hate Python, <laughs> but I have to admit it. No, I no, I, I meant not saying that, that which you don't know you can say. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I'm getting old and getting more careful in my old age. <laughs> but also, Python just offends me at a deep level because it 
hides too much of the hardware. But I don't care. People are coming out of school these days, and it's the only language they know. And it's growing rapidly. While C and C++ are fairly flat, some would say shrinking. You can argue that depending on what language survey you look at. But Python is growing so fast. I think we have to figure out how to make people get performance just as much as they would out of C writing straight Python. And we can do it. Not always, not general, you know, but it's blowing me away how far we can go. But that's going to have to wait six months, three months, not too long. So you guys, this has been such a fun conversation. As we wrap this up, Ronis, where can listeners go to learn more? www.openmp.org. There's all kinds of material there. In a short while, there'll be a new specification there. Right now, there's TR9. 5.1 looks a lot like TR9. Excellent. Thank you. And Tim, from your perspective, where can our listeners go to learn more? Well, of course, if you're new to OpenMP, you should buy my book, <laughs> The OpenMP Common Core, Making OpenMP Simple Again. If you're already experienced with OpenMP, there's a fabulous book that I did not help write, so it's okay for me to call it fabulous, OpenMP, The Next Step. It's also from MIT Press, and Ruth Vanderposs and that group wrote it. Excellent book for looking beyond the fork joint, for looking at NUMA and GPUs, and it's just great. And then, of course, supercomputing's coming up. I was going to mention that. There's always a lot of great content. They're having a birds of a feather again, right, on OpenMP? We're having a birds of a feather, and there's several tutorials. I think your Common Core tutorials there. Two of the authors of that Next Step OpenMP book that you just mentioned, Rude and Christian, are there with me and with Michael Clem, the current CEO of OpenMP. We're giving an advanced OpenMP tutorial. I think you're also with two other people giving one on using GPUs with OpenMP. Programming your GPU with OpenMP. And the funny thing is, even though I've been doing that for years, I'm not doing it this year because I'm doing a simple tutorial. Oh, and of course, where can people go to learn more? <clears throat> I work at Intel and the Intel One API HPC toolkit has OpenMP, MPI, Python, all included. So go out and download that now. Absolutely. So with this, Bronis, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. It's really been incredible. Been fun. And Tim, it is always fantastic to talk to you. So great to have you on today's program. Well, it's a pleasure. It will be interesting to see if I'm ever asked back. <laughs> Actually, I was just going to give you that invitation. There's so much to talk about in this space that it would be fantastic to have you both back on the program. Sure. And for all of our listeners out there, thanks so much for joining us. It's been an absolute blast with these two. Let's continue the conversation at oneapi.com. Until next time. Mm -hmm.